Moa, the animated movie watch. I'm Meffers. And I'm Birdie. Today's episode is The Fox and the Hound. We pick our movies from the list of animated feature films on Wikipedia. Any movie with a theatrical release that has a critics rating of over 50% on Rotten Tomatoes will get its own episode here on Animoa. And we are watching these films in chronological order. Yay! Because it's like, you know, we are well well into the 80s. <laughs> it feels like it. It does, doesn't it? 81. <laughs> yeah, here we go. 80s. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you drinking? I have an awesome beverage. Iced coffee with almond milk and a splash of coffee liqueur. Jesus. In a skull mug with a stainless steel straw because I am like that. This is a drink. It's a drink of legends. I I, I just have pretty normal decaf coffee in my but it's in my Troy and mug. That is equally awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that's a good one. We haven't had like a good one like that for a while, I feel. Well, we've been going out for our coffee a lot. Yeah, but we have to stay in today because it's like 108 out there. We don't want to melt. No, no, thank you. So hey. The Fox and the Hound. Yeah, we finally made it to a sad movie again. Oh, oh no. <laughs> this is probably one of the saddest Disney movies. It's, it's kind of up there with Bambi. Yeah, well, it has a lot of similarities to Bambi, yeah. just overall, like being in a forest with the beautiful like backgrounds and everything and the sort of like youth and innocence versus realities of adulthood and everything. And yeah. Cutesy shit versus, oh, God, trauma and dead parents. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very sad. I cried a lot. I cried many times. Um, yeah, yeah. What were the times when you cried? Oh God. Okay. Let's see here. I think I cried at the beginning with the mom because like, I, I was already like, I was like, I know where this is going. I remember where this is going. It, okay. First, I guess the disclaimer, I didn't watch this a whole lot growing up. This, mm-hmm. I, I think it was because I was so upset by it and like it was just sort of sad and dark and I didn't really get it as a kid and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a happy feel good. So I was just like, I don't, I don't like this one. And then I want to say I did, I, of course, yeah, I did watch it with my my big old, I'm going to watch all of Disney movies except for the Aristocats <laughs> back in like college or whenever that was. And I don't really remember being blown away by it then either and just sort of being like ah you know whatever there wasn't a whole lot of good stuff coming out of disney in the 80s mm-hmm. and then watching it now i'm like okay i remember some of this i remember like certain moments i remember the things that would have been funny when i was a kid like the the comic relief with like the birds and the worm yeah and uh, the caterpillar yeah they call um, it a worm it's yeah i know it's, yeah that's well i think that's part of the the, the cute the cuteness of that is yeah. that they they do think it's a worm and then he turns into a butterfly and payoff's almost worth all the pointless comedic relief. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I found myself enjoying it more than I thought I would. I guess just based off of my the not quite nostalgia of watching it when I was younger because there wasn't much. Okay. That said, I don't remember you know crying up a fucking storm <laughs> when I was watching it before. Whereas this time, yes, I cried. I think at the beginning because yes, I knew. Yeah, the mom's going to die, and he's going to be abandoned, and he's going to be taken in by, uh, what's her name, Widow Tweed. I think I was even crying a little bit when she, like, took him in and, like, found him, and it was so cute. I cried when Copper and Chief and um, the hunter were leaving on their trip, and they they just miss each other for a goodbye. They don't quite get to say goodbye. I cried then. I 
of course cried during the um the scene where she takes him out into the forest and leaves him there todd that is mm-hmm. um holy crap we'll talk about that scene yes uh, in great detail i'm sure but yeah I, I was almost sobbing and i was trying to hold it in so hard i didn't want to <laughs> just like start breaking down in front of you guys i was like okay suck it up you can do it you can do it just... <laughs> um just tears streaming though and then i cried i mean obviously at the end but before the very end i cried at the very end but also i cried at the moment when copper steps in front of todd when you know he, that, that that iconic moment where he's standing there over him and just looking up at anus and he's got the gun and yeah. the, the, the looks they exchange and everything and just oh it's beautiful uh, uh, <laughs> too many tears shed wow i didn't think there would be that many i didn't either i it just it hit me hard I feel like I've been crying a lot more at movies lately. I don't know if it's just the the, the year we've all had and emotions just kind of like, ah, oh, I can't handle that anymore. Yeah, that affected me a lot. Wow. I almost cried at two parts. Well, um, that's saying something for you. Yeah, that is. Uh, there was, of course, the time when the Widow Tweed was dropping God off at the forest. I don't cry at that, honestly. Well, well, well I mean, there yeah. are reasons why I didn't cry, but Sorry. part of the reason was because there was an audience and or not an audience, but you guys, <laughs> other were, people around, other people around, and I'm like, no, no, I can't handle this. Yeah, hence why I wasn't sobbing audibly. <laughs> <laughs> and I started to get a little teary eyed when Copper is going off on his hunting trip and they miss saying yeah. goodbye to each other, and it was just the part where Copper lets out his howl yeah. at the back of the truck. Yeah. Yeah, that sound. Because it reminded me of some sad animal videos I had been seeing on the internet. <laughs> and then I'm going to tie into sad animal videos as well with her abandoning Todd in the woods. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, though. Okay. We don't need to rush and, and just talk about all the sad shit. <laughs> well, we already did. But <laughs> we'll, we'll go into greater detail as we... I mean, we're not going to just sit down and talk about the plot because we assume people know Disney it's, ones. Usually. It's really basic. A it's, fox it's very simple. And a hound become friends, but it's a friendship that cannot be because the hound is supposed to hunt the fox. Yeah, and stuff happens. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's, yeah, there's more to it. There's the whatever allegory you want to take away from it as well. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Again, I already mentioned, yeah, innocence and youth versus. You know, growing up and falling into the roles society kind of forces you into and yeah. can you can you defy that and break out of it or find a middle ground which is I think what the movie does mm-hmm. anyway it's just it's a, it's a very sad real film like compared to a lot of like the, the, the silly goofy shit that you've typically gotten out of Disney until this mm-hmm. point yeah. So just like Bambi, it doesn't play around with the fact that death happens right. all the time. Yeah. And it's broken up quite often with all this cute animal <laughs> shit. To, to, <laughs> to use it. And make playing it around. Multiple. Yeah. It's a sobering film. That's a word I would use for it. It is. I only saw this once, I think, when I was a teenager. Oh, really? Yeah. Back when oh. I was thinking, oh, I haven't seen this popular movie ever Mm. so i would watch a few animated movies sure and i remember just being disappointed by this okay like it it wasn't impressionable and after seeing it recently i can see why 
It was just, it was slow paced and the comedy was off. Yeah, I'm not going to like defend it to my dying, with my dying breath or anything, because I don't think it's an amazing film. But I think it's, it gets kind of overlooked as, I mean, and I don't know if it's deservingly um, overlooked. Because yeah, the slow pace, I actually was writing a lot about how I enjoyed the pace that it was taking its time. Hmm. Um, again, this is, this is less me watching it as if like trying to imagine I'm a kid. This is me watching it as an adult and as an animator and as like a lover of films and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just being like, thank you for breathing film. <laughs> thank you for not just like sh- just shoving everything so quickly down our throats. And then like, I, I loved the opening, for instance, like that, those, like this just scrawling through the woods and like these slow kind of ominous and again, sobering kind of shots where you're just sort of like, wow, where's this going? This is almost... Almost scary. Hmm. Whereas um, I was watching as a kid, we've talked about this before, how we come into these movies yeah. with different perspectives yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. It reminded me of the opening of Watership Down. Yeah. Because that had some beautiful watercolors. Yeah. But I would expect Watership Down to be a slower paced movie. You know, with, if they're targeting, if Disney keeps targeting movies towards kids, my grandma was really screwed up there. I just, I don't know if they can like hold their attention on the screen like it's fine to show a watercolor but maybe put a little something to focus on you know or maybe that's my ADHD I don't know maybe <laughs> and and it also sounds like th- this movie marks a turning point in terms of like sensibility of old Disney versus new Disney this is actually I think this is also kind of why I'm looking at this film and that kind of sense of like well wait a minute this is these are the strong points that it has and maybe it doesn't carry them through until it's like, you know, like it doesn't find the magic like Little Mermaid eventually does, you know, like that's, or even Great Mouse Detective, which I, I still think is really an unsung hero of the 80s. But, but everyone, you know, knows Little Mermaid and loves it. That, that was like the big turning point for Disney. But this one is basically the, like all the people who had been working at Disney before, like all the old animators, all the old directors, everything, they basically fell off and stopped working on this project and the new team of people came in and took over. That is So you see a lot of mixed sensibilities on screen in this movie and that might be why a little bit uneven. Yeah. And it, 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 there, maybe if it had been done one way or the other entirely, we would have gotten something a little bit more defined and maybe it would have had that like spark or whatever. Yeah. I don't know any movie that benefited from having <laughs> a drastic change in the middle of production. <laughs> yeah. They, they tried to make it as fluid as they could in terms of like, okay, passing, passing this, these directorial things and, and these animation things to like the new generation or whatever. But some of it was not intended or planned on like Don Bluth leaving. This is when he <laughs> left, was in the middle of the production of this. He left in 79. Production of this had begun in 77 mm. and it had to be delayed. Eh, release had to be delayed from 80 to 81 because of him and I don't know 15 or something animators leaving in addition to him wow so yeah they had kind of overhaul to make this work after he left speaking of animators I found some other big names oh yeah yeah Tim Burton John Lasseter Brad Bird that was all I was given (laughs) oh I can give you more I can give you so much more Uh, let's talk about Glenn Keane okay yeah um well I can talk about him more later but um I can give you more names what you you only had tim burton lassiter 
Bradbury. and Bradbury. Yeah, those are good. We also have um, Henry Selleck, <laughs> who went on to direct The Night Before Christmas. Sweet. And we have, again, Glenn Keane, who just is an amazing animator in his own right and worked on lead animation for many characters and uh, that, that you would know, like Ariel, <laughs> for instance, Beast. Um, but he was responsible basically for the bear in this. Hmm. So, yeah, if that gives you an idea of his quality of animation. Yeah, I love the bear. The bear is amazing. We will talk about the yes. bear. But we also have uh, Chris Buck, which he actually went on to co-direct Frozen. I know, not necessarily like, you're like, oh, cringe, but at the same time, come on. I mean, it was Frozen. It was a big fucking deal. Um, Mark Dindal, which he uh, directed um, the Amperson Group. Sweet. Um, and then, of course, Ron Clements and John Musker. So, Musker and Clements, as in the directing duo who were responsible for a number of Disney films, but... Yeah, obviously Little Mermaid, Aladdin, eventually Treasure Planet. That was their passion project they really, really wanted to make happen in the Disney sabotage them. But anyway, woo, fun times. And actually something I didn't even realize, uh, Moana. They were responsible for that. I had no idea. Wonderful. Yeah. And I was, I, 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 when I learned that, I was like, no wonder I really liked Moana. <laughs> like, it, it felt like an old school Disney film. It's because, yeah, it was. <laughs> they were behind it. So, yeah. All those names. Those, these were the, basically this new crew of people from, well, it's the California Institute of the Arts, a.k.a. CalArts, which maybe you've heard of, or, mm-hmm. yeah, which is, this was kind of the, the first crew to kind of come out of it. Like, like, I don't know if it was like, probably the first graduating class, but pretty early on in terms of like, where all this talent was coming from. Like this was this batch of people all came to Disney around the same time. And as you can see from what later happened, they were basically, they, they revolutionized everything and went on to become very, very uh, influential in their own rights. Cool. So yeah, they basically came in and replaced the nine hole then yeah. who did have involvement. Um, we had Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnson, uh, were still around working on this one, but they retired in 78. So they they did some animation and some direction in terms of like, here's what the characters should look like, and here's how they move, and here's some animation, and then we're... Oh, yeah, on. I could see their touch in the animation and the look. Yeah, for sure. And I think the one that I noticed most and then like checking and confirming, I was like, oh yeah, for sure. Copper as a puppy. Because <laughs> like, he looked like any other Disney puppy that has ever existed. <laughs> And I'm fine with that because it's really damn cute. (laughs) But uh, yeah, but you do also start to see slightly other styles and shifts in terms of what the animation looks like. It's not like, this is the Disney we have always known. It's like, there's some stuff that's starting to look a little different. And it starts to look like the Disney we learned to know in the 90s. I thought that I saw evidence of their work mostly in the Widow Tweed, mm-hmm. the way she moves and her posture and the way her fingers look. Again, yeah. with the fingers. Um, <laughs> apparently, Don Bluth did do some of her animation mm-hmm. before he left. I think it's like in the scene where she's in the barn milking Abigail. Yes. Yes. I, I can't <laughs> believe I remembered the name of the barn. Not the barn. <laughs> Animation and animators, and I, I, I can always talk about this because it's just delightful. But man, that bear. <laughs> that bear. Well, do you want to 
just talk about the bears animation or do you want to um, so we'll talk about like characters look at all the characters let's talk about the characters and we can get to the bear like later once we've covered like you know maybe the more <laughs> important characters i mean not that the bear's not important but you know characters who talk <laughs> so we got the fox todd his name's todd because he's like a toddler apparently and, yeah i think it has something to do with some word for fox but i'm not sure what language mm-hmm cute character uh <laughs> i mean we almost need to talk about um todd and copper is kids versus them as adults yes we do and i want to mention copper child copper is played by Corey feldman yeah and child todd is played by keith coogan coogan yes coogan. yes that is correct but yeah I, <laughs> there were a lot of names attached to this that surprised me because i just had never looked into it before and yeah. it was fun to find out so I mean, we could also mention, yes, who their adult voices were. So yes. you had... So adult copper is Kurt Russell. I'm <laughs> Kurt fucking Russell. Adult Todd is Mickey Rooney. That was a surprise. Yeah. Especially knowing he would have been older by this point yeah. for playing, like, kind of a young-sounding adult. Yeah. But Kurt Russell sounded like a baby. Oh, my <laughs> God. I was sitting there like, this was before The Thing, even. This was a year before The Thing. I have to say, I'm freaking love little child copper's voice oh my god it's so cute um what is it when he says like i'm a hound dog i can't do it but oh my god it's so adorable but yeah mm-hmm. no they're the, the, the kids when they are little tiny babies they're adorable and their their interactions are very cute and it feels like i, I was just like ah oh, yes children and like they're just immediately friends just because they happen to both be kids in the same yeah radius oh my gosh i encountered that at work like yesterday really oh yeah so at work there was there were two families who were near the the checkout stations and they both had kids with them one family had an older boy and an almost toddler girl and the other family had a, a toddler girl and the first family the kids started running back and forth from one wall to the other mm-hmm. just for fun, just, that's what kids do. Run. They yeah. were bored, so yeah. And then the kid from the other family started joining in with no. them. And she was like just slightly younger, so she wasn't like talking yet. Aww. But she understood that they were playing and how to join in. And it was so cute watching Aww. them. And then the first family had to leave. And the mom was like, say bye, new friend. And, oh. Yeah, and the youngest of the first family like waved. And the, the, the girl from the second family just stood there like, going no oh so we had a good thing going yeah. <laughs> it must come to an end just like friendship in this movie no it doesn't end though but it feels like it does yeah for a while. insta friends yeah. insta goodbye friend i will never see you again. yeah Ugh, I hate the that. heartbreak yeah so in this yes again todd we've we've got you know he's he he's a decently likable protagonist i mean he doesn't have a whole lot to him except i do appreciate how fucking brave he is actually both of them are brave yeah they're both incredibly brave especially when it comes to the bear but even when he's protecting Vixie, when they're being hunted and he like sends her ahead and he just goes after uh copper i keep calling him cooper i think my bad in my brain i'm saying cooper and i know it's not cooper it's copper it's the color yeah okay copper um but yeah that that, that bit where they're like circling each other and just snarling it was just like oh my god first of all that looks really realistic good job on making scary looking dog and fox faces yeah. there 
<laughs> they, they must have looked. <laughs> I think they did, actually. I think um, Wooly Reitherman, which, again, that's the the director who had been doing all these movies, and then he sort of bowed out of this project when it was clear that this was, uh, this was a, you know, time to pass the torch, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was having some uh, tension, friction, friction, friction's a better word, I think, between him and the other director. So basically just passed it on. Um, but yes, his kid, one of his kids, one of those many Reitherman kids who kept doing all the voices for all the different, um, like King Arthur's or uh, not, you know, not, he wasn't King at the time, but you know what I mean? Had a pet fox. Oh. So he, I, I think he brought it in for like reference at one point, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping the animators would have some kind of real life inspiration because they did so well with Bambi and then later with, uh, the Lion King. Yeah. Yeah. You can totally see like, again, We've, we've talked about this before, dog body language, they're always spot on at Disney. And I was really happy that they did a good job with the fox, too. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, like, this is sort of like a combination of a dog and a cat. Yeah, that's what a fox is. The way they're making a move, they exaggerate some things and have it react maybe a little. I mean, they, they anthropomorphize everything, yeah. so obviously you're going to get that. But yeah, no, good stuff. So yeah, Todd's, Todd's a nice, brave little character. He doesn't have, yeah, I think he has more chemistry with Copper than he does with Vixie, but well, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? I mean, just throw in a token female love interest yeah. who's just sort of there. She wasn't like entirely unlikable, at least. True. But we'll get to her soon. We will. So yeah, Todd, he's likable, but not like my favorite character or anything. Mm-hmm. I could see how conflicted Copper was oh, like growing up. You know, he was so sad that he was changed to that barrel. Yeah. When he was just a puppy, puppy. he needs to play. Like, I know you need to train a dog to, like, stay near the house, but... And, I mean, he is a hunting dog. Like, this is, like, as, as, as someone personally who's not into hunting and doesn't like to imagine that this, like, this is something that people do, it's like, dude, the Amos, whatever his name is, he's a hunter, and he's got hunting dogs, and he does need to train them to do what they're supposed to do and it does become clear that he does care about his dogs mm-hmm. he like he does pet them and everything and i mean it's more than just petting a dog he's like caring for it but actually i really was again we're jumping all over the place a little bit here but um when his foot is tra- caught in the trap and the trap and the bear is coming for him and then popper like comes in to basically save him as best as a little tiny dog against a giant bear can do you hear Amos, like, call out, like, Copper, like, like, no, wait, don't do that. No, 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 no. Like, oh, God, you're going to get yourself killed doing this. And, then, and, like, trying so hard to get to, again, weird, trying to get to his gun to save his dog at this point. And, yeah, obviously himself, but there he's trapped, caught in the trap, hoisted by his own petard, yes. his own temper, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot. We can go about the hunter, too. But, yes, mm-hmm. Copper, I like Copper probably more than Todd, just because of the kind of more... The, 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 the complexity of what he has to be and what he becomes and yeah. everything. Whereas Todd is kind of an only child. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do whatever I want. I yeah. really like Copper's relationship with Chief, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you know, try like, like even, even though Chief is all grumpy and stuff, but I, I, I like when they get back from the hunting trip and they have like their little scuffle and he's just kind of playing with them. See, that was the only time I liked Chief. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, also the time when he's lying in the house with his, <laughs> his leg bandaged up and he's like, oh, this is the life. <laughs> I, I, I liked him because, yeah, he is like this more serious character 
Um, but I think he should have died. We'll talk about that too. But anything else to say about Popper? I just want to say I love when he's a puppy and they animate his his skin folds on his forehead going over his eyes. I think I heard you laugh at yeah. one point when they, they flop down and they just sort of like <laughs> from your side of the couch. Will, do you want to talk about Chief? No, let's talk about Chief. He should have died. Like, he, yeah. would, he should have died. Like, he was supposed to die. And then they decided not to kill him. So the, all the stuff that you get with, like, the reactions to, like, no, 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 Chief, Chief. And then, like, Copper and the Hunter, like, getting vengeance and, like, I'll get you for this, you know. It's because he was originally written to die. Yeah. But then they backed out and were like, okay, no, we're going to show his eye opening. He's still alive. And we're going to create this new scene. Instead of him being buried, he's just hanging out in the house and he's fine. Like, I think that just the fact that his leg was broken or, or whatever, enough. it weakens the whole revenge plot. It does. He I, should have died. I also want to say, he was hit by a train. Mm-hmm. He would have gotten blown to smithereens. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just, uh, nothing would have, he would have been a mist. <laughs> there was, there should have been nothing left of that dog, but, and this is terrible. Um, <laughs> like, kill the dog! <laughs> Actually, I'm not a fan of killing dogs in movies, but... In this case, it would have served the narrative much more. And in the original book, of course he died. Yeah. They all die, actually. <laughs> Everyone dies. I'm glad you brought up the book. I have the author name right here, Daniel P. Mannix. Mm-hmm. And the book is also called The Fox and the Hound. 1967, I believe. And that's also when Disney got the rights for it. They, they yeah. snatched it up. Like, yeah. It took 10 years for them to make to begin production on the movie. Yeah, starting with Walt, the entire Disney company <laughs> from the beginning of time has always been like, I love this creative thing so much that is mine now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Every single goddamn thing. <laughs> and they're like, ooh, that's a nice book you have there. It'd be a shame if something were to happen to it. And like, it gets Disneyfied and dumbed down. But in this case, I mean, obviously I'm glad not every single freaking character dies because... Damn, just reading the synopsis for the book was like, this is bleak as fuck, and I would not want to read it. Wait, is the novel a children's book? I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. I don't think so. Based off of everyone dying, no. Okay. Like, Copper chases Todd down, and Todd, like, dies of exhaustion from running from him. And I think Todd has multiple families that all die. Chief is apparently the younger dog in the book, but he does get hit by a train and die. Whereas, but Todd like did it on purpose. Like he jumped out of the way so it would the train would hit him. <laughs> it, it's presented more of like a, just like oh god, we're both panicking and yeah, he wasn't like luring him out onto the tracks. <laughs> um, and then at the very end, apparently, like the the hunter he needs to go to a, I don't know like a, a home or something because he's old. But they don't allow dogs, so he it, it, he shoots. Jeez. Yeah. Like I said, it's not happy. So, um... <laughs> I'm so glad I did not read this book. Yeah, no! You would have been like, what the <laughs> But yeah, that said, Chief still should have died. It's like, he doesn't really contribute much after anyway. It's not like he does much other than provide a little levity and a little of that, like, oh, thank God, the character didn't die. And like, eh. <laughs> Could have killed him. Um, but I, I, I think I liked him more than you did, just overall yeah. just the, the kind of like I, I i get him but and, and like he's, he's this crusty old dog but he, he's he's used to being top dog but he clearly does have a soft spot for copper even though he's jealous of him mm-hmm. he's not just like entirely bitter like they still have this kind of paternal relationship with him and copper so i thought it was it would have been a lot more 
Yeah, a lot more impactful if he died. Yeah, it's weird that I don't like Chief because yeah. he's he's so grumpy. But you know who I do like? Who do you like? The Badger. The Badger. Because the he badger. is grumpy. Grumpy motherfucking Badger, who was apparently the voice of uh, Rufus, the mustached cat in uh, <laughs> the Rescuers. That was John McIntyre. Yeah. Boy, that was really fun. We, we, we just kept, like, every time he showed up, we were just kind of like, yeah, this badger, this motherfucking badger, he's such an asshole, we love him. And, like, what was it that I said? Yeah, like, the hunter and copper, when they were in the forest tracking Todd, I was like, yeah, if they find that badger, he's just gonna fuck them up, you know? I wish that would have happened. <laughs> so funny, like, poking the head down the hole, and he just comes out, like, <laughs> I want to go back and see all the badger scenes. Yeah, I think he was also animated by Glenn Keane, so, uh-huh. hey. Porcupine was also an ancillary, very, very small character. But hey, it's Piglet, so yeah. I can't complain. And, and he I, gives Todd a home. Yeah. And I, I actually, I love the moment where he wakes up and stretches and pricks Todd. Yeah. And he's like, oh my god, where am I? What's happening? Falls yeah. out. I like that really Todd funny. had that reaction to waking up because yeah. it's been a hard night. And you wake up in this completely new place for the first time. Yeah. Um, let's see, other characters. Uh, well, obviously, the, the hunter in... Widow Tweet. So Amos, I wrote it down. What the hell? Amos Slade. Slade and Widow Tweet. I honestly, like, I love and hate both of them. Me too. There's like, there's things to like about both of them. Even Amos Slade, again, like, it's it's weird. It's because he's not, he's not the villain. There is no real villain in this. I saw him as a villain. Mm-mm. No. Wasn't he trying to freaking kill Todd when Todd was just- Yeah, but he's, <laughs> he's a hunter all he knew was that there was a fox in his hen house. He didn't know that it was an accident. How the fuck would he know? Like, I, he's just a dude. He's he's got he's got this vengeful streak, and he does like take it too far. But he he kind of learns from it, and at the end, he doesn't kill Todd. But he goes into this preserve with the yeah, no, he's kill a, this he, one fox. Yeah. He's a villain. He's not a villain. He's a bad dude, but he's not a villain. Villain in a Disney film would die at the end. He came close. He was. Yeah. He almost had that iconic Disney villain death off a cliff, mm. and then the bear showed up. The bear had the iconic villain Disney death off yeah. a cliff, but the, the bear, bear was also just a bear. The bear stole the show. Yeah, the bear is awesome. The bear was like, no, you're not the villain. I'm going to be the villain. Yeah, neither of them are the villain. <laughs> the um, villain is... Growing up. The villain is adulthood. Adulthood is a villain. I like that. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, no, I, I, I think I... Yeah, I, I find a lot more uh, sympathetic about Amos Slade. At first, I was just like, this asshole, be nice to your dog. Blah, 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 blah. And then it's sort of like, as I kept watching, and by the end, I was just like, I get it. I get it. He's just coming from a completely different life. But, Widow Tweed, um, nice lady, but dear God, um, sometimes the you know the best intentions are, are, are just that you, you don't, you just don't do it right. Yeah, she, she didn't. And like bringing a fox in to begin with, maybe not the wisest thing to do. They don't make great pets, lady. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was so lonely. Yeah, and that's cute. And you know, she was she was a good person, at least, you know. But boy, howdy. I didn't like that she just randomly dropped Todd off at the preserve, you know. Yep. I guess he had some kind of experience being out in the wilderness because she just let him run around and do this whatever she wanted. But I don't know. Just take she take had him to a place where people can look out for him. Yeah, like if if they had had some sort of like wildlife rehabilitation center or something yeah. like that, like 
or even God, I hate to say it, but even like a zoo, like some places like that, you know, that's like if 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 an animal this is getting so realistic here, if an animal has been like hand raised by humans or whatever and reared and, and almost semi domesticated, they won't necessarily make it when you send them out back into the wild. Yeah. So like she had no guarantee that he was gonna be okay and he almost wasn't. <laughs> if it weren't for that porcupine. <laughs> yeah, no, her leaving him in the woods just hit way too close to home with all the dog rescue videos that I tend to watch. Oh no. Um, where, you know, like 90% of the time, these dogs have just been abandoned by previous owners who just leave them in like these parking lots or leave them on the side of the road, just leave them at their house and just left them, just fucking drove away and left these dogs there. Mm. And it's just so fucking heartbreaking and infuriating. And just seeing this was just like making me just, again, I almost sobbed because I usually get to that point when I watch these videos because I feel so goddamn bad for the dogs, but then it's always like a happy ending by the end because they get brought in, they get cleaned, and then they get adopted and they get those happy endings and it's it's adorable. But this this is just like, we're just watching the part where they get abandoned. We never see those in the videos. We just have to infer that it happened and seeing it actually happen, even though, yeah, in her case, well, it's not like she couldn't take care of him. It was she thought she was protecting him from the inevitable yes. hunter. Yeah. Who um, by the way, like pointed a gun at her. Yeah, that was that was stupid. Which is another reason why I don't like Amos. He yeah. chases her down the road. Yeah. Like a fox. Yeah. He was very single minded. He was very um Yeah, I'm not gonna say he's like a great dude. He's a bad dude. But I don't see him as the villain of the movie. Every time he does something shitty, whatever shitty thing he does after that is even more shitty. Except for at the end. At the end, yeah. That's, <laughs> that was redeeming. Yeah. But and then he was still mean to Widow Tweed when she was helping him. He's a crotchety old fucking man. <laughs> I actually really liked that interaction at the end. where, Like, the fact that they can let those be bygones, you know, bygones be bygones. And, like, she's like, you know checking in on him and checking on his foot and he's like grumble grumble but he's letting her do it. Mm. It, it they're they're like a sort of weird reflection of Todd and Copper like they're they're enemies but they're also kind of just they're tolerating each other and, and by the end how about the birds eh, the birds um, I don't know I remembered them from when I was little I think that was like the one thing in the movie that I enjoyed when I was little, which I guess says something about like, okay, the reason why comic relief does work in, in kids movies, like when they are more serious, you need to have that levity. Cause I remembered like, um, that was a dinky and boomer yep. and, uh, his little tear laugh and <laughs> the, the caterpillar that they're constantly chasing and all of those things. And then the, the final, like, Oh, it's a butterfly. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, nah, whatever. <laughs> and then off he goes. But now I just found it like, okay, we're just wasting time. Yeah. I like it is a funny concept that they're always chasing this thing they can't mm-hmm. have in, you know, in the situations they get in. But it's like five times they go after this yeah. thing. Yeah. It always goes on too long and it's very repetitive. Yeah. Because it's just like constantly, okay, boomer, we got him now. Okay, boomer. Okay, let's do this, bro. It's like every single time. And it's just like, oh, you got him, you got him, ah, I got him. And it's okay. Could have done it twice, and it would have been enough for us to get the point. But, like, it just, ugh, it just kept happening, and it was, again, 
repetitive as fuck. Okay. Uh, one good thing I liked about them is uh, Dinky's animation. Yeah. It's just like all those little sparrows I see. Yeah. Yeah. The way he like around. around. Yeah. The, the, the sort of bounce hop, like the very abrupt jerky movement. It's of a, of a tiny animals move like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was really good. What about Big Mama? I wanted to like her more. Me too. I don't think she was given enough good stuff in the script or in the music. Yeah, which is a shame because like there there were likable things about her and she had a great voice actress. Mm-hmm. That was Pearl Bailey, right? Yes, Pearl Bailey. And she did, you know, obviously all the singing and everything. And she was just the owl from Bambi, but a lady, yeah. <laughs> basically. Um, and, you know, she was likable, at least, you know, I didn't, like, dislike her as a character at all. She just, I just wanted, as you said, to like her more. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Vixie. We, we glossed over her. Vixie was cool. She Again, was likable. Generic, but cool. Yeah. I, I actually liked her, um, her voice actress. I'm not sure who that was. I didn't write that one down. I did. Oh, yes. That was Sandy Duncan. Okay. I feel like I should know that. But I, I, I don't know. I, I liked that she had this, this kind of lighter voice. And weirdly enough, she, she sounded like kind of more modern than everyone else and also almost didn't kind of fit in. But I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it just sort of like separated her because she, she was this kind of new figure who entered into the story very late. But uh, I don't know. I liked it. Again, I didn't have like a whole lot of chemistry, and I, I, I kept writing down like literally the only reason, the, the only chemistry they have is that he's a boy fox and she's a girl fox. Oh yeah. boy, look at that! <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking like, here's Big Mama, so like ready to set them up. I'm like, what if Todd's gay? Like you don't know. <laughs> like, you're just like so ready to set them up. It's like, oh, she's a girl and he's a boy. It's like, okay, this doesn't always work, but okay, this is a Disney. Movie it is a Disney 80s. movie in the eighties. I know, I know, I know. I'm just, I just. Thinking in terms. Well, let's talk about uh, how they spend the night together. Oh, it's basically like a fuck? repeat of Lady Robin Hood when they go oh. in that cave. Oh, I was actually thinking Lady in the Tramp too, where and Lady in the Tramp. Yeah, it's basically the, the the fade to black, and then they they wake up the next day and like, wow, oh, things are great. What the thing that came out of the fuck hole? Oh, and man. one of them was like, wow, I feel great. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I don't know. That was, yeah, we know. We know. And also, yeah, there was a bit where she was counting the quail kids and then she's like, seven, six, I think six would be nice. <laughs> and Todd's like, like what? what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and there were, there were some other things. Oh, yeah, and like the birds watching, they're like, oh, it's about to get interesting or whatever. <laughs> You're going to watch them do it? Like, Come on, get out of here. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. Uh, any other characters before we talk about the thing? Um, um, what about the little baby chicks in the, the barn? Man? Oh, I, was, I freaked out when I saw them. They were so cute. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the chicken and her, her little chicks. Oh, yeah. I guess yeah. Abigail's a cow and she's a character. She's mm. not a horse. She's not a horse. Not a horse. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about the bear. Let's just talk about that bear. That bear is... Fucking amazing. I love the style. I love the animation. Mm-hmm. I love how it doesn't give up. <laughs> it doesn't give up. Okay. <laughs> Persevering bear. <laughs> the, the, the animation in that sequence just in general is just so well, it, it, again, it's well choreographed. And it kind of reminds me of like the old, the stuff that Reitherman himself used to do when he was an animator and not just a director. He did like the, the sequence with like in Lady the Tramp with the Rat. 
for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, these these high stakes battles. Like it was so intense. It was so like, man, yeah, it was, it was just it was just so good and involved blood, which blew my mind when I noticed it two different times. You don't see a whole lot of blood in Disney, but you had one where Amos shoots it through the shoulder mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like are you shitting me? <laughs> um, did you seriously just do that? And then another time, I, I rewatched the sequence because I had to. There's another time when Copper like bites down on the muzzle of the bear and like kind of slides off, and you actually see these red gashes appear in the bear's mm. snout. It's like only there for like a couple of frames, but I remember seeing it and just be like, <laughs> like the Leo DiCaprio point meme. <laughs> like I see that, I see that blood. <laughs> you can't, you can't slip that by me. If I find it, I will post it. On awesome Twitter, at Beffers and Birdie. Hey. Yeah. It's it, it treads that fine line between t- too much, too scary, and just intense enough to be like, oh my god, I'm captivated. What's going to happen next? Yeah, a lot of the the critics when this when this came out were a bit confused by like, <laughs> the scary scenes. Yeah, you know, you've got some people trying to push the envelope, some some new kids in town who are trying some new things, and it doesn't pay off until the late '80s. But yeah, <laughs> that's also Disney's fault for you know, taking a four-year break between this and the next movie, mm-hmm. which, oh boy, howdy, when we get to that mm-hmm. one, we'll have some things to say. So a little bit more, I, I just want to talk about this, a little bit more about um, Wooly Reitherman and his, like, kind of old-school stuff being shot down and his departure from the film. So a very, uh, kind of, like, I guess this is the, the last straw, and it's also just a good example of, like, oh, God, this is the kind of thing that he wanted in this movie, Apparently, he thought that the second half was just sort of like a little bit too, it wasn't, it wasn't exciting or happy enough. So he wanted to include a musical number sung by two cranes, one of which would have been Phil Harris singing some sort of song. I forget that I didn't write down the whole title, but it was like scooby doo 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 or something like that. <laughs> and everyone was just like, no, no, we cannot have this. No, that won't fit the tone. That won't, that has no place in this movie. We're not doing it. And that, that was kind of his moment like, Okay, maybe maybe I am done. <laughs> maybe maybe I was wrong, yeah. and yeah, he backed out after that. And yeah, I can't even imagine. I was like, oh my god, no. We imagine having just these two random cranes and fucking Phil Harris showing up and looking like Phil Harris, but as a crane. I can't <laughs> imagine that because I see Phil Harris as a bear. Or was that? Am I thinking of no? That's him. That's him. He's yeah. also a cat. <laughs> but two bears and a cat. But it always looks like him somehow. <laughs> But yeah, it would have been so pointless out of place. And yeah, I, 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 I'm very happy that we had this new crew begin at Disney because they, they had good ideas. And as we saw, they, they pay off eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get there. We get there. You mentioned music. Shall we um, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, before we wrap up. It was, it was Buddy Baker again. He did... Um, the uh, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Oh. But that's it. Oh. It's like all he's done for Disney were these two. Uh, it's not super memorable or anything. Like there were a couple of moments in terms of like the incidental score where I was like, this is good. Like I, I actually, I, I did write a note when, um, when Amos is like kind of stomping over to Widow Tweed's house after Chief's Not Death. And there's like this, this the, the music, what it's doing there is like, boom, boom. <laughs> I, I just remember thinking, like, oh, I really like this. It, like, you can hear him stomping through the music. Hmm. But otherwise, it's just sort of felt just kind of generic Disney to me. It, it sometimes felt generic to me, but other times that, 
that fiddle, that bluegrass mm. tone, that would really, yeah. I don't, okay. I don't want to say shine, but it would no. definitely stick out. Moonshine. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I actually, I was, that was something I was going to say. And I, I agree a hundred percent. Like there, there were moments where that would kind of make it a little bit different and a little bit unique to the movie and kind of nice. The songs though, um, not, good. not good. Um, Especially, I think, uh, Big Mama was trying to one. sing a song and there was some kind of fiddle in the background and the like, voice and the music just didn't match up to it me. It was just weird. That was the one where it was like, uh, something, or something like that. Was, I have no idea what the I, song was. I don't even know. They were like talking about like something about communication or elimination. Yeah. Okay, elimination. That was the word. The, the only song that I, okay. One of them's not really a song. But the one song that like it's still stuck in my head is the Best of Friends song because it's like the only one that has like a you know kind of a tune to it that's somewhat. What do you mean? Best of Friends. Oh, that was the beginning. Yeah, when they're when they're kids. Okay. It's when but Big Mom is just kind of looking over them and singing about it, and it's it's cute. It's sweet. It's yeah, exactly. It's sweet. It's not like super memorable, but it does get stuck in my head, and that's the song I think of when I think of this movie. And then the other one that I kind of like you know, obviously not really a song. It's when the Widow Tweed is taking Hot Away and she's sort of William Shatnering her way through it. I know. But it's like a poem. Well, I kind of liked that. I didn't like that it was a poem because oh. it this moment really needed a song. Like if it, this had been either Disney in its heyday or if this had been a Pixar movie, then this would have been like the Sarah McLaughlin Toy Story I was just going to, okay, okay, I was going to compare it to that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it did make it its own at least because like, I don't think I've ever heard Disney do anything like this before. Just this random kind of poem talking is sort of just talking your way through it while... Yeah. Really sad music. She should have sung. I did not need like a soliloquy from Aww. from Widow Tweed because I didn't really care much about her as a character. Oh, if she had sung, I would have cried. Really? They okay. missed their mark. Interesting. I don't know if I would have as much. <laughs> if it were a beautiful enough song, yeah. Imagine. I don't know. I I I was just listening to her voice as she's just sort of talked and. Like, just imagining that being her inner monologue, which is, which is what? And I don't know. I couldn't even believe this was her inner monologue because it rhymes. Like, who, who oh, rhymes in there? <laughs> how, how do you believe someone just breaking out of the song, then? Why not? Why not have a rhyming inner monologue? If people could just bust out of the Broadway tunes, hello, 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 hello. Because that's be what Marshall is. <laughs> Whatever. Music overall, meh. Definitely meh. Very meh. Not not a, a point that I walk away from this movie thinking about. <laughs> I have just one more question. Oh, okay. Do you think this is a cult movie? Like a cult classic? Yeah. I want to say it's it's got like a little bit of that a little bit of that in terms of people probably appreciating it more now that we have like that luxury of time and looking back and yeah. seeing like the whole Disney from beginning to now, like stretch of time and the ups and downs and everything. But I, I don't know. I think what did it have like a, a 70% um, Rotten Tomatoes? That sounds about right to me. Yeah. That sounds about perfect. So it seems like it's sitting where it needs to sit. It's gotten the acknowledgement it needs to get. I, I do think it did get more attention after the fact in terms of like, hey, this wasn't as bad as we thought kind yeah. of thing. And that's, that's fair, I think. But 
it definitely isn't like a, oh, look at this hidden gem. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that great. It's just, just good enough. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's where I think it is. Closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. Um, I really appreciated all the animation in this film and then the, the, the darkness of it and the more kind of mature message that it's sort of giving about um, friendship and growing up and everything. But yeah, I definitely get why that would be a turnoff <laughs> and not make it as enjoyable. And it wasn't when I was younger. So it's like, I get it. My closing thought is don't set fire to a forest just to smoke out two foxes. <laughs> to be fair, at least it didn't turn into the Bambi fire. Yeah, we are so lucky it didn't turn into the Yeah. Bambi. But like after the past few years, I'm like, oh no, uncontrolled fire. No. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Anywho, that's it for the Fox and the Hound. Yay. What are we watching next time? Heavy metal. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Okay, on the one hand, at least it's not heavy traffic. We've already gotten through that. On the other hand, oh god, to go from the fox and the hound <laughs> to that? I know. I, I wonder what's after that. If it's like we go back to something cutesy and nice again. <laughs> it's the 80s. It's, it's going to be much more stranger than the 70s were. This is true. We're going to have a lot of whiplash, I think, oh, yeah. in terms of like cutesy cute mice and dinosaurs and bloof and then, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, heavy metal next time. Okay, bye. Bye. Abigail? Yes. Yes. I can't believe I remembered the name. Not the word. I can't even remember what animal it is. You don't know what kind of animal it is, but you know its name is Abigail. Yes. <laughs>